Good song. You like that one? I do. Well, I appreciate that. We are uh, rolling in here to the newest episode, most recent, soon-to-be-released episode. Uh, and actually, if you're hearing this, means it has been released, so I'm just saying that in future context. Yeah, we're living in the future. <laughs> Everything's three-dimensional, right? Four-dimensional, whatever it is. Um, yeah, a little Radiohead on the way in here today uh, felt appropriate, um, given uh, we got the World Cup going on. World Cup to me, even though it's South American team playing today. Uh, the it's a Ar- rough one for Argentina. KB. He wasn't happy. Was not happy. Um, we'll get into that in a second uh, because our guest, I'm sure, has an opinion as to the game and the player in mind uh, that stepped on the field today. And maybe a couple of players, in fact, the other old guy that walked off the field today that will not be playing for the final. Uh, but Radiohead, you know, good London band, dreary day in the in the loo, gray, yeah, rainy. Very English. Yeah, felt, uh, felt right. Um, but um, today's going to be fun. Uh, today's carpool co-host of the day um and i've i thought of a uh, acronym for it because it sounds stupid saying carpool co-host every time cch today's cch yeah, is yeah. mr brian shire thank um, you jb yeah Thanks you remember him me back absolutely i mean i i got a lot of uh, messages and texts and uh social media comments and i'm telling you this because i know you're not on social media so i'm Correct. keeping you up to speed here they were really amazed at the fact that you are like this cash barter <laughs> spice trade that's right <laughs> modern day american yep i was at the blues game last night <laughs> cashless cashless did it just kill you kills me totally killed you oh, so. our, our, our guest soon to be guest is getting out of showing off his credit yeah. cards <laughs> but uh no today's gonna be a lot of fun um someone that has been around the game his whole life uh and has a, a tremendous impact on uh our backyard and 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 Literally hundreds, if not thousands, of kids' uh, soccer careers. Uh, this is going to be fun. And actually, uh, Brian, you were the one that talked to me about. It. You're like, man, we got we we got to get him on. Oh yeah, he's my neighbor. Was well, my neighbor former former, former neighbor. neighbor. So yeah. So uh, so let me let me do this without further ado because we need to get caught up on the results of the game today that did not go in my favor. Um, we have that and. Hold on. So, as many of you know that listen to the show, we like to try a little walk-up music baseball style. This one was a custom request by Brian for his guest. It's going to be a dead giveaway now. Yeah, dead one. Here we go. And he's bouncing. Oh, yeah. Hands are up. Go ahead, Brian. What do we got? And who are we about to uh, chat with? We're about to chat with number four. Steve Patcher. Oh my god, I feel like I'm at a Steamers game right now. That's right. <laughs> How's it going, Steve? What's Great, up? Brian. Not as good as Kevin Slayton, but you did a good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And you'll be, uh, well, that'll be the last time we say Steve or Petcher. It'll be Petch from, from here. In. We're going to keep it simple. You bet. Steve, thanks for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me, especially where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk? Should we talk about we're in the, uh, is it called the Eagle's Nest? Yeah, right? it's, yeah. Well, I was just joking about that because yesterday uh, we recorded an episode with Kip Thompson at the Falcons' Nest. So today we've elevated to the Eagles' Nest. Yeah, out here at uh, it is wow. Gray Eagles' new uh, 
distribution location. I mean, what do you even call it? I mean, this is like HQ. Yeah, I would say headquarters. This is it. Yeah, this is the spot, isn't it? Yep. Beautiful, big open room here. We got a couple pops going, nice bar. Beautiful outside. Petch wants to come here and hang out all the time, I think. <laughs> I'm moving in. Yeah. This well, was requested by Petch. He's, I said, where do you want to do the pod? He goes, well, our, our good friend who will probably be coming on later, Chris Marsh, uh, yeah. gave us access here. And he said, well, let's do it at Marsh's. And I said, Marsh's house? And he said, no, Gray Eagle. I said, well, okay, let's ask him. So here we are. That's a much bigger house. A lot bigger, a lot nicer. And, his neighbor, nice and his neighbor is really cool, too. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Wally's. Wally's. Right? Yeah. Get some of that jerky. Actually, yeah. you guys have all been to Wally's, right? Oh, yeah. Once or twice. Do you? Okay, so th there's a debate amongst uh, some of my neighbors. What is the best uh, product there? Is it the jerky selection? Is it the popcorn selection? Or is it the barbecue options? Or is it D that we don't even talk about? I'm, I'm not a beef jerky guy, and I'm going with the popcorn. Popcorn, really? Uh, what flavor? Ooh, probably caramel. Shire, you don't eat that shit. Do I don't eat any. No, he doesn't eat it. He doesn't yeah, eat chicken, yeah, rice. Yeah, yeah not, 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 and they don't take yeah. cash there, so he's out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing we bought there, and we talked about this earlier, was that prime drink. The boys all loved the drink called the yeah, prime. Jake Paul. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. And they were selling it there, and it was crazy. Every time after practice, we go there, get a prime, get a prime. It, it, and if you've ever had it, it's terrible. What What's in it? It I doesn't even. It doesn't sound like. It's like crap. Athletes Gator. would be drinking that. It's like yeah, they shouldn't. <laughs> it's like really bad Gatorade in my. I've tried it once. Yeah, it's, it's just not good. Yeah. If we but, get Marsh to give you a key to this place, you could just come here after practice. Yeah. Now that's the plan. Yeah, they have. They actually. I think they may have Prime here. They may distribute it. I don't know. We'll, well they got Liquid Death. We could just send them in and yeah. get all that Liquid Death. They got a lot of beer. They got a lot of. And they got a lot of beer. A lot of beer. <laughs> and it's cold. Very well, cold. So. Um, I, you know, Brian uh, showed up. We watched the World Cup semifinal game one today uh, over at Helen Fitzgerald's and uh, showed up and he was a little depressed because he forgot his notes. I did. Uh, for today. But, I, but he proceeded to ask the waitress for a pin and yep. wrote down more notes. So we're, we're back in action. I had a few just kind of general concept ideas because Brian's driving the car today. I'm going to be a little bit more color commentary. Kind of keep it straight, but uh, one a couple of things that I wanted to jump out of the gate with. Um, let's let's just get the Brian's lawn discussion out of the way because you you've you were his neighbor for a number of years, yeah, number of years, yeah. And for those of you that know Brian, know that he is known for carrying cash and having arguably, well, how would you describe it? The front yard, the the best lawn in town. Best lawn, best lawn in town. Nah, I don't know. Hands, I, I, hands down. It could be better. Well, so let me ask you this, because I was walking around out uh, last week when we were all out in uh, at, at the tournament in California at the Polo Grounds, right? Yep, yep, yep. That grass was nice. It was good. It was good. It was a, it was a dormant <laughs> Bermuda with a little ryegrass in it. It was, uh, yeah. you asked Jared about it. It could use a little more rye. He's not a fan. No, it's, uh, it's very playable though. Very playable. So when 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 who moved in first? Were you there? No, Brian was there first. He was there first. You moved in. He's a lot older than I am. Yeah, just a couple <laughs> years older. <laughs> when when you moved in and you did you know Brian was there before you moved in? No, I wouldn't have moved there. Oh, they yeah, that's a fair enough point. Easy. Easy. No, it actually started 
um, I was coaching his daughter, Caroline. Yeah, what, and, year, what year was that? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> that year. But it there, was that year. But when COVID started, <clears throat> that's kind of when I found out. I kind of knew he was down. He was about a block and a half from me and found out he was there. So when COVID hit and everything got shut down, I had the golf cart that I always use at the soccer park. Uh, yeah, uh, had right. it brought over to my house during COVID. So I would just jump in the golf cart, head down to their street down to his house because his neighbors had all kind of made a pact that during, when it was shut down originally was everybody was just going to stay there. They would all just hang out together and the kids yeah. would hang out together and the yep. parents and everything else. So we joined them and it was a day long, evening long, months long. What a great time. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It's so funny. Like you, you know, when you look back at that time, I mean, clearly there were n- an unlimited number of negatives that came out of the COVID period, right? But those little things like the neighborhood pods, the family pods. I mean, I remember we are at our house. We were keeping track. We we had something like I don't know, close to four hundred meals in a row with at least four of the five of us at the table. Oh wow, yeah. shocking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like a complete you know anomaly these days. So I mean that's cool. I mean, when 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 you guys were there, um, his daughter remind me again. I'm sorry, her Caroline. Name, Caroline. Caroline. So when when did you start coaching her? And you know, she's probably what thirteen. You thirteen? Yeah, you thirteen. And Petch took that team, and yeah, I think the first time I talked to you on the phone was you asked where I lived, and I think it was on that call that we determined that you lived basically like. That's probably a driver and a flip wedge away from my house, right? Well, my for, you, for you, for me, for yeah, you, for you, a driver six iron. Petch can move it though. You yeah, can move but, the ball. But that's if I went straight. Well, yeah, I know. That's, that's a, a crow fly. That's a whole different story. Yeah. Mine would have been a Camry and a a, a Butler, right? Well, yeah, it's a I'm different game. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's let, let's dig right into the soccer. Um, uh, let's get it out of the way. Today's semifinal, uh, World Cup 22. First semifinal game was uh, Argentina versus Croatia. Um, result was what was it? Three, three, nothing. Another, three. another penalty for Argentina. Yeah. So, uh, gut reaction. We were less than a couple hours from the game. What did you think of the game, Patch? I thought the game was good overall. Um, I was hoping for an Argentina, France. Final, so I got what I wanted, but so you're halfway we, there. We, right, we, uh, half we got, of it so far, half it so far until tomorrow. But um, I think France will win tomorrow, and then I, it's going to be an awesome final. It should be, it should be. I, I watched the game today, and I, you watch Argentina, and you just can't quite put your finger on what they're doing to win, but they're they're winning. And we talked about a little bit with Messi; he's an amazing. We all know he's amazing, but the ability for him to not really do anything for long periods of time. But then when he gets one or two looks, forget about it. I mean, it's it's like nothing you've ever seen before. Well, I, I was surprised by how they totally muted what Croatia had done in the previous games, uh, negated kind of uh, how disciplined Croatia had been playing and their counter. Because you knew it was going to come, or you assumed it was going to come. Modric and Kovacic, you knew they were going to come up the middle at you, and it just never really transpired today. Well, they had it in the, we talked about in the first half, it looked like Croatia had room to run through the middle. Early. And and they were. And then that that was closed off. And going into the second half, it was the other way. It it seemed like Argentina controlled the, the game. 
Well, so so my question then is this becomes more of a character player personal question because um, obviously there's been a ton of debate about Ronaldo and his uh, exit and walk off and now here we are today you had two other you know mid upper 30s players in Modric and obviously Messi uh, each clearly fell on opposite sides of the of the win loss pile here uh, you know Patch what's your, what's your thought on kind of this quote golden age of players right now these three four five guys and how they're exiting do, do you do you put extra thought into it or do you just see it as that's two three minutes of post game I really don't care uh, do I put extra thought into it or do they put extra thought into it? Uh, no as 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 a soccer lover as a player as a, as clearly a student teacher of the game when you see that because obviously you know at the at the club level what you do what the club does what all clubs do for their youth players it's a combination clearly of technical skills playing here's what we're going to do but you know like at Gallagher there are the 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 five pillars of of character and everything else and when you see these players act a certain way how does that make you feel and talk about what we've seen so far well Modric has has always been seems to be a, a just a class person um he handles himself very well off the field and and on the field as well and you know, we all know he's a great player <clears throat> I thought the coach did a great thing pulling him off with nine minutes yep. left in the game just yep. so everybody could applaud him and stuff because that's probably the last time he's playing in a World Cup. Um, Messi, I, what I like going on right now with him is this World Cup, I've seen a lot of emotion from him on the field and off the field as well, especially after that Netherlands game, um, which I don't think I've ever seen that much from him before. So. I think he realizes that this is probably it, right? And he's never won before. I think it's the first time he's making the finals and everything. So he, he wants it really bad, it seems like to me, more so than any other time that I've watched him play before. Did, did, uh, what, what did you what did you think about how he acted after the Netherlands game? Or really, well, let's start with the, Netherlands, the, the Argentinian team as a whole because we've all seen the photo, you know, as soon as the last penalty occurs, you know, and staring well, at... Yeah, I, I think Argentina got lucky that they didn't have one or two people, Messi being one of them, thrown out of the game. And they could have been shorthanded and the whole game could have changed, especially when the guy, you know, volleyed or smacked the ball into the yeah. Netherlands bench. He, that could have been his second yellow. He's out of the game and now what happens, right? So that, that, could, that game uh, could have been a lot different. I, I, when I played, I was very emotional. So I like to see that from, from players. And that's why I like it, what I see from Messi in this World Cup. So then let's talk about Ronaldo real quick then along the same line because he handled it significantly differently. Uh, uh, we, just gut, gut, gut feeling, how, what, what does it make you think about Ronaldo after the fact? After the fact, it seems like where he's at right now, it seems like it's all about him. All about him. All about him. Yep. Um, coming off the Manchester United fiasco, um, he's going to be signing apparently over in Saudi Arabia and – that's it. I don't Never know gonna, if anybody's ever going to hear, hear from him again. Uh, I, I don't get it. I get the money. I understand that it's going to set his family up for generations. Um, Forever. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, you kind of get that part, um, but he's got everything. So, so why, why wouldn't you play somewhere where you're going to be seen and, you know, why, whether hey, even if it comes over here in the yeah, States. Yeah, why not come to the U.S.? I know. Like, you know, Beckham did at the towards his end. And uh, looks like what Messi's about to do. 
apparently. Uh, I just can't believe I think it. that's still up in the air, but... Um, I can't believe we're going to drive down to City Park and watch Lionel Messi play. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I mean, that is a little surreal, you know, when you really think about it, because, you know, of, of our generations, really. I mean, because, I, I mean, Patch, I, I, I'm not going to guess and I'm not going to age you, but we've all been around for uh, a ton of... Uh, generational players that were just at the time everybody's like this is the best ever this is the best ever and now here we are at the end of the road for Messi and Ronaldo you know if we go backwards there was the original Ronaldo and then we keep going backwards you got Beckenbauer and et cetera et cetera et cetera you know in your life in your experience where where do you rank these two in particular compared to the Pele post Pele years um, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, I, I don't, in, in any sport, I don't rank anybody as the t- top player of all times because there's just too many different eras that people are just totally different and how the game's played is totally different. Um, I, I think if somebody considers you to be in the top 10 of all time, I, that's good enough for me. Um, I, I don't know how you could say Messi is the best player, even if even if he wins the World Cup. Yeah, you know, I do. You, got, you have Pele who scored... 500 more goals than he has and has won three World Cups and all that stuff. So, you know, I was fortunate during my career when I was playing outdoor that I played against a lot of those guys, you know, Cruyff and Beckenbauer and Pele and Giorgio Canalia and Niskins. Who was who the best? Who was the best you well, ever played against? I, well, I haven't – in that group, I didn't even name him. The, the best guy I've seen play personally was George Best. Now, did you play with or against him against on the him. same field? He was playing for Los Angeles, and I was playing in Dallas. Uh, was he? Is he? Was he pretty old then, or what, where was he? In he his was career? in his probably mid thirties or whatever. A couple liver transplants. So he, he's, yeah, I was going to say that was when he was <laughs> living in the bar. I think and, he uh, he. It was a crazy game, in that we went up three nothing. I think it was at halftime, and he was on the field, but you didn't even see him. Right. And it was almost like he went in into the locker room, got an infusion. <laughs> got Which he might have. He might have had to get Pine Guinness from, the, Jameson. from the <laughs> night before. You know, he just showed up, played the game, and then he sweated it all out at halftime. He came back out, and you could not take the ball away from the guy. It was unbelievable. Was it speed? Was it was it no, skill? Was it skill. Ability? Yeah, just to skill protect the ball. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, this – okay, so – But I, but going back to that, I, I still yeah. think I, – in my opinion, I think – Pelé was has been the best all time. But okay, I I agree with you. By the way, but I have a reason why and where and I'll start with my reason and then let me know what you think. Um, I think it's one thing to be uh, touted as creative and attacking and scoring goals and winning games and everything else. But what Pelé did was he won th- three World Cups, and at the end of the day, it is that trophy case, right? You know your legacy. And club is different than nation uh, because club is bought and paid for. And nation is you all have the same, you know, theoretical birth certificates, right? Um, And in today's world, I think that if clearly Ronaldo's never going to do it, can't, he's out. Uh, Messi, France is a huge roadblock if they get past Morocco. Uh, If he does not win the World Cup, is it safe to say that over time, Messi's argument will be diminished because he did not win the World Cup, in your opinion. One hundred percent. You have to. You have to go to to championships. You have to, and that's where you know Pele's got it in spades. You know, I, I don't see. 
I don't see how you compare the two. I mean, of course you can, but the other thing you can look at is what Pele did as far as growing the game. You know, I mean, exponentially, especially bringing it really, really to bring it here to the United States of America. Oh yeah, yeah, um, for sure. I mean, that's that's a legacy that is hard to hard to touch. Now, th- now think about it, if France wins and Mbappe. they and they win, Mbappe at his age would already have two. But he's. We were talking about him earlier. He is he the next guy? Is he the next guy that carries the torch? I mean, he looks like it. I think so. Okay. How old? But, but doesn't he have to leave France though? Doesn't he have to go to either La Liga or EPL to justify it over time? I don't know. Uh, it might just come down to World Cups. I mean, think about it. If he wins three, four. Yeah, that's true. And they, <laughs> and, and they, you know, in France is this is they're not old. No, and I mean, they're missing three or four of their guys that normally start right now. Yeah, and they're not, and they, and they aren't, you know, chumps either. No. They're missing some great players. Yeah, yeah, Conte is not bad. Not bad. Benzema, you know who he plays Benzema, for, right? Benzema. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get started. Don't get started. Yeah. So we've gotten out over our ski tips here. I just thought of this. Uh, we, we, you know, I love the conversation because I love your insight, Patch. You, you, you've seen it uh, firsthand. But uh, it would behoove us, Brian, in particular. Uh, we need we need a little background if we're going to set it up for those listening. Um, you know, we usually give a quick bio of our guest to be to come that we're talking to. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you know, uh, childhood roots and where'd you play and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, go for it. Where, where'd you come from? You want me to just take it? Yeah, just take it. Where'd, <laughs> you, where'd you come from? Give us, give us the eight-story building elevator ride version. All right. I'm a uh, North County kid where soccer was played. Um, there, there was <laughs> that no, didn't take long. <laughs> there was no West County, so it was always North against South. There was no St. Charles. Um, still isn't. I mean, uh, I didn't say that, Brian. Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, You're fine. No, there's still. <laughs> um, but went to St. Anne's, uh, which is right up by Umsel. Um, started playing soccer when I was six years old up there and high school was at Normandy High School. We actually won the state championship in 1974 when there was only one level. Not Every time he tells that story, he says, oh, there was only one level. Yeah. There wasn't 1A3. It's not a situation now where everybody gets a participation level. Here we go. Yeah. yeah so it didn't take long, JB. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> I went to a big school. I get it. I didn't understand the small school rankings. No, he still I'm doesn't get it. He, he's, he's. I still don't get it. We, even up to last year, because at the soccer park we host the Misha championships, and whenever they bring their brochures, I always I always grab one right away. And in the back, they give you the list of all the schools that have won it, and they give you their percentage of, you know, how many times you've been there, how many times did you win, right? Right. Well, we consistently to this day i think are still the only school that is a thousand winning percentage because we only went to state once that was it and we won it you're in you're out thousand percent baby (laughs) hey that's top of the list so you know it's uh the whole north county pipe though um because i i grew up in granite city so my coach was Gene Baker. They had some good players over there. Um, you know, we had Gene, who was from North County. And, yeah, well, yesterday's conversation with Kip, another North County kid. Um, Steve Trishu. Steve's oh, yeah, Grand City. Grand City guy. Gallagher guy, too. Yes. He was a couple blocks from me. Grew yeah. up, I think, uh, yeah. 
His my mom cut his mom's hair way back in the day, so it's, it's small world. Sounds very Granite City ish. Totally is Granite City ish. Yeah. In, in no, our no barber shops. In, no, no barber shops. No, no, no. It his was in our. Cut, no, it, it was in our laundry room. Yeah. That was the 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 salon was our laundry room, and I had I don't know thirty two grandmas. Yeah. What do they say? <laughs> Granite City's the Ladue of Illinois. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It really is. Hey, we've got ten state titles, so we did pretty good. How about you guys? You guys good? In, I want, I want, in Illinois. In Illinois. Yeah, yeah Illinois. Illinois. You knew that state that has Chicago. That's kind of pretty big and has good players. In fact, our freshman year, we took out a team that had Brian McBride. Ever heard of him? Yeah, maybe. Was there only one division back then? <laughs> Six A. So then it, there was yeah, everybody but, else. Now, how many state titles did you win when you're high school? Two freshmen. Yeah, I have one year. as well. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know at that. Duchenne. At Duchenne. Yeah, I was a junior. My brother was a senior. Played together. Who was in Field goal? One at soccer park when it was grass. Who was in goal? Oh, you, you everybody's everybody's favorite guy, Timmy Kelly. Tim Kelly. TK. And I will say on the record, Timmy, he's going to hear this. He's going to probably send this out to everybody. <laughs> Best goal I ever played with. Guy is well now he is. I would get up for head balls and I think and I'd out jump people and the ball wouldn't be there. He'd reach up and just go oh, right over. It was my a head. weak era for goalkeepers. Yeah, well there you go, Timmy. <laughs> I didn't say it. That uh, was Petch. <laughs> anyway, so, so I, I so, gra- graduated from Normandy. Yeah, straight uh, to Har- was it Harvard or Yale? I can't remember. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, Florissant Valley. Yeah, oh, yeah, similar. Yeah, 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 similar. Yeah, yeah. Went to Flow Valley for two years, year and a half actually. Um, but we won the national championship in 1975. And then who was coaching then? Pete Sorber. Pete Sorber, of course, ten national championships. That's right. And then uh, in um, around February of 1976, I was invited down to try out for the Dallas Tornado in the North American Soccer League, and I made that, and then went from there. That's great. How in, uh, how many years? Uh, talk a little bit of your NASL days. How many years? What teams? You know, just talk a little bit about the league at that time. And you know, you mentioned briefly earlier some of the names that were on the field. Um, you know, give us a little one-on-one on what it was like at that time in the league. Um, you, the rule in the league was one American player needed to be on the field at all times. Might be the only reason I was put on the field. So it really had to be on the field. Yeah, the, yeah. So, so you couldn't sub out if you're the only American on that team? Is that correct? I'm pretty sure. That's wild. Yeah. I, th- I think it's very similar to the MLS right now. Well, there's some other rule. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, so uh, I played in Dallas from 1976 to 1980, um, overlapping the last season with the Steamers when they started. But, um, no, I mean, New York was – the Cosmos were in the league with all those guys I mentioned earlier. Trevor Francis was in Detroit, you know, one of the best English players at the time. I mean, every team seemed to have like two or three – really good foreign players that were on the end of their careers that came over here to have a, a good time and get paid and play some soccer. Um, you know, like I said, George Best and Cruyff and all those guys. So <clears throat> Fort Lauderdale, Denny Vaniger, who's involved with our club, played here for the St. Louis Stars. He went down to Fort Lauderdale, was playing with the Strikers, and Kurt Bueller was down there. Oh, wow. Kabilis was down there. I mean, it's just – the era was unbelievable as far as names were concerned. So, so at the time then, um, coming out of St. Louis, playing in Dallas, um, talk a little bit about kind of the St. Louis presence in, in, in U.S. soccer at the time overall, uh, not only within the league, but national team level, et cetera. You know, wh- wh- where was it? Because uh, St. Louis seems to constantly go through a rolling golden age in, in presence at the top level. What was it like during those years? 
for St. Louis, it was awesome. Um, national team aspect was there was every time we got together with the national team, there was probably seven or eight guys. I mean, almost half the team was from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started with the national team in the fall of 1976, Al Tros was the captain at that time. Um, so he was there when I got there. there were, and there's a number of, of guys that were there. Um, the following couple years, you know, Greg Mikowski, Ty Keogh, Tony Bellinger, Greg Villa, I mean, David Bursick. I mean, we were all on the national team at the same time. So it's how about when you first got going on the national team? How did that how did that go? You, want, you remember? You ready for my story? Are you reading from your note cards yet? No, no he I, remembers I, I, this. I, yeah, I don't. The notes are gone. <laughs> it toss it out of the. And way. when I say note cards, one index little card here <laughs> that's, with that's nine no, words written on it. You are ninety nine more ninety nine percent more prepared than most of us on these I on know. this show. So I know. Good job, it, Brian. Yes, thank you. Yeah. No, so how'd that go? What happened? Brian and I were talking one day and kind of probably talking about the show and stuff and talking about the national team and stuff. And I said, well, I got a crazy story when I first, so I was 20 years old when I first got brought into the national team, the fall of 1976. And I was in, uh, we had a training camp in Boulder or I'm sorry, in uh, Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado, and we were there for a couple of weeks because we were going to go play down in South America. So we wanted to get some altitude and stuff. How, how old? Were, how old were you at the time? Do you twenty know? years old. 20. I was twenty. Okay. Um, I mean, less. And you were well traveled. Less than time, a year. Right? Less than a year. I was well traveled. <laughs> less than a year ago. Uh, a year prior to that, I was playing for the national championship at a junior college. Yeah. <clears throat> Ten months later, I'm playing on the national team with all these guys. Um, the one part I didn't tell Brian was we were there. Then the guys all come in and go, hey, we're going on strike. And I was like, we're, what are we doing? <laughs> they go, we're going on strike because what they found out was when we were going to go on tour was that the tour before that, the guys got paid like $150 a game and we were going to get paid $100. And they said, no way. So I was just going along with everybody. So it lasted a couple of days. We didn't train and they finally gave in and gave us 150 bucks. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. That set you up. It, really? I, I was done. You I mean, done. Yeah. done for, I didn't have to play anymore. Yeah, you're <laughs> anyway. So the, the, the part of the story I was telling Brian was, so we realized during the training camp that I didn't have a passport because I'd never gone over out of the country before. Um, so, and Dallas was going to be playing the New York Cosmos right before we were going to leave to go to South America and we were going to Peru. That was our first stop. And, um, so Dallas was going to play Cosmos in an exhibition game in Cleveland at their big football stadium at the time. Was Pele on that team? Pele was on that team. Okay. That That's was, why it was That was there. the big yeah. draw, yeah. right? So, um, so anyway, so the plan was I would leave camp early, go to Cleveland, play play the game in Cleveland, let's say on a Sunday night or whatever. And, and then the next morning, remember this is back in 1976. So the next morning I would fly to New York cause that's where the league office was. And they would walk me and rush me through to get a passport. I could, you could get it right. You know, you just walk up, show them your driver's license. It was I guess. such I a know. better era of life. <laughs> God, cash nice. only. Yeah. Cash only. 20 yes. bucks cash. Yeah. Peck yeah. still has 120 <laughs> left. From his, 130. 130 from his and left. You, could, and yeah. you could smoke on the plane. And you smoke <laughs> on the plane. You do everything you want yeah. to do. So anyway, so what happens is we play the game and everybody goes out afterwards. Both teams were all at the bar and 
having a good old time. And needless to say, the next morning I'm supposed to get on a flight to go to to um, New York to get my passport and don't make the flight. <laughs> kind of slipped in a little bit. Um, God. So being 20 years old, I just went, you know what? I'm just going to get on a flight and go back to St. Louis. Yeah, like like anyone would, right? <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna I go, was done uh, with the national you're team. You're in Cleveland, right? I'm in Cleveland, done with the national just team. Going back, just I'm going to go back to North County. So I do. I fly back to St. Louis, and <laughs> the guy that handled all the travel for the federation or for the national team at the time was actually the trainer as well. He was the trainer for the Dallas team and my roommate. So he calls me at my house, of course, on a landline, yeah, no yeah. cell phones. Yeah. Um, and it's like, what are you doing? And I go, I just, you know, this is what happened. I, I'm, I, I'm fine. I'm just going to stay home. I'm off the team. I can come <laughs> he off. goes, no, 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 no. He goes, we got you a flight. You're going back to, you're going to go to New York. You're going to get your passport. And then you're going to get on a flight and meet us in Lima, Peru. I'm going to fly directly. I'm 20 years old, never been out of the country. So I'm going to get on a flight and just fly from New York to Lima. And we and the team was going to meet me there. So I get on a flight, go to New York, get my passport, get on a flight. I'm heading to Lima. I get to Lima, Peru. Probably around 8 o'clock at night, I get into Lima, and the team is going to, you know, we're going to meet there, and no team. No team, no team. Still no. Are you at the airport? I'm at the airport. You're just hanging. I don't out know where airport. to go. I don't have a credit this, card, this, which would be great for you. Yeah, yeah, I don't fine. have a credit card. I got. No, and I guarantee. I got 130 dollars in my pocket. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> he spent 20 bucks he on spent his 20 uh, on the passport. passport. Yeah. So I actually ended up sleeping at the airport because the team never showed up, and I'm going. How, how am I going to get home? They're not coming. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're coming. not coming. Something happened. And about nine o'clock that morning, here they come walking through the terminal. Their flight got delayed in Miami because they were getting on a flight and heading to Lima. So fortunately, they showed up. But that, So, so but, you, after all that, looked like the punctual one. Oh, yeah. You, oh, that's a great point, J.B. Right? He was there early. Yeah, he was the I was there early. guy there. Yeah, you're like, early. come on, guys, take this seriously. Hey, who's, the kid? <laughs> who's the new kid? He's here. He got here a day early. Yeah, they all hated you. Like, are you showing off? But <laughs> that almost probably ended my national team oh, career. And, it was, and so that was the start of your national team yes. career. So how many years... How many caps did you have? 17. 17. And how many years did you play? 76 in? through 80. Through 80. Mm-hmm. What was the best uh, out of those years? What what team was the best? Or was it the same group of guys? Well, in 1979, we went on a tour. Uh, we played Hungary, um, Ireland. Who was the other one? I think Portugal, maybe. Right. Uh, oh, I'm guessing you went overseas they yeah come, or yeah they no we went there. there yeah they we went there. there we beat ireland or, i'm sorry ireland beat us three to two but we had a we had a player thrown out it wasn't me had a player thrown That's out of the shocker. game and they only beat us three to two i, I think it, or no you know what it was france france beat us three nothing that was the first game uh got to play against well actually got to exchange the Platini. things you do at the beginning of the game yeah. Uh, with Platini. That's, yeah. Wow. Actually, See that, I, okay. Platini, I'm going to go sideways real quick. But another, at the time, arguably. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But he never won. He never right. won the big one. No, but he made a lot of money later in his life. Yeah, That's he true. Sure he did. did. He sure did. But he's not in the conversation. <laughs> he's he's like his guitar's favorite person. Exactly. Um, he's made a lot of money for what happened that we saw today. <laughs> so, so then you played. But then uh, we went to Hungary. Yeah. And we beat Hungary there. That, was that, that, I mean, that was back Eastern Bloc. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was communist. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, so, there were police all over the place just walking down the street with 
you know, like machine guns and stuff. And you get on a train, they they were they were all there. I mean, it, and you're walking around with like cans of coke. Well, the funny story. The funny story was <laughs> well, first of all, we beat them. Uh, you had to know our coach too, Walt Chiswitz, who has passed away, but unbelievable guy. He was a player's coach, um, but just a great person and stuff. And liked the party a little bit. So we we beat Hungary there. And they, they were all getting on the bus, leaving, and we were all joking that they were going to the Siberian front because they were lost to the United States. That was but, it for them. Yeah, that was it. But anyway, so we went to, we went to a nightclub that night, and Walt was the leader, and, man, it was nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but anyway, so um, the next day, we're going through the airport to go. Um, I don't know if we were coming home or we were – I think we were going to Ireland. And uh, – what they don't tell you back then is when you went there is you exchanged your money, but they didn't tell you that you can't exchange it back when you're leaving. So <laughs> oh, now, well, yeah, so now we're one way transfer. I mean, come on. That's normal though. When you go to a non-communist country back then, oh, yeah. at least you could exchange your money back. So needless to say, we were all just pulling it out of our pockets, just throwing it, you know, <laughs> and people were going nuts, like diving on this money. And the, the police there were not happy. That we were doing. That, so but. the U.S. national team started the ugly American thing back in the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Throwing money around. Yeah, yeah. Why? I mean, why not? Yeah. <clears throat> well, it was it. No, it wouldn't have been ruble. It would have been local currency, not yes. rubles, right? Yeah. I don't. I couldn't even tell you, but but there was probably six St. Louis guys on that team at that point. So was that was there kind of full circle to the original question that I had? Was there kind of a uh, conversation or an understanding or kind of like? Uh, uh, big kid on the block vibe with the St. Louis players a on the team. I mean, with that many, I mean, d d was there an air of not dominance or superiority, but you felt good being from St. Louis? Well, it was always nice to when you go to camp and there's guys that you know from high sure. school and playing against them in college and stuff like that. So that made it a lot easier. But back then, I don't, I don't know. Everybody got along. I mean, no matter where the, everybody was from, um, and it was just a good group of group, group, yeah, good group of guys that you know got along and played well, and so, we so had some success. Seventeen games. Do you remember your uh, win loss tie? No idea. No idea. I can guarantee you, my losses are more than my <laughs> wins are ties. <laughs> That's exactly the way it, he doesn't remember. Well, 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 well there's no convenient. doubt about that. Very convenient. <laughs> So three zero to France or o three to France. Uh, is there a a particular game out of all of them that just stands out as the one you remember the most, or is it just the trip that we discussed? Mm -hmm. Probably the probably the Hungary, Hungary game because that was a huge upset that nobody knows about. Nobody talks about it. You know, Hungary was a big um, country at that time as far as soccer was concerned, and you know we beat them and in you know at their place and people just don't ever talk about it so who back then who was the nine who played the nine who played the six back then who was number nine or huh? <laughs> this is patch always likes the numbering system i have no idea well let me ask you this because we, we've done this before what position did you play uh, a center back and what number did you wear four there you go that's well what number is a center back it's a four. four. <laughs> that's that's Beckett's. Yeah, it, I, I Pat always I, goes, ah, oh, this number and shit. No one ever did his numbers. And I said, well, what'd you play? Center back. What number? Four. There you go. Solved. 
you guys were doing it all along. Well, when in high school, Baker was the one that always kind of like, to a degree, lived by those rules. Like it was two, three, four, five across the back, uh, you know, yeah. et cetera. But number 10 was off the table because that was Fernandez's number. So yeah. no, nobody could ever nobody get had. that back. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, I love those numbers. Well, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do real quick. Uh, we're going we're to take a quick break. We're going to get some refills. Look like Marsh just walked in here. So, um, we will be back in just a second. Uh, Patch, thanks for your time. Don't go away because we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a few other things uh, and find a way to get into Brian's pocket. All right? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Hey, everyone. JB here with the Soccer Dad Pod. This break is intended to be both informative and an opportunity. Little did you know that we are accepting sponsors, really. And as a sponsor of the show, you would get to talk to a demographic primarily consisting of parents, some soccer fans, and most definitely drinkers. Consider this an opportunity to let our listeners and social media followers know what it is you do and why you deserve some of their money. If interested in this incredible opportunity, just email us at soccerdadpod at gaslightstl.com now back to the mindless banter oh boy there we go that's right what's that all about huh <laughs> score goal baby get the smoke machine going for those that can't see us right now, Patch is running through the door smoke <laughs> he just pulled out those uh, got a little dry I, ice going yeah. He just pulled out a handful of those old uh, little orange mini balls that they would throw out at the games. He's trying to remember that one time he scored yep. a goal. <laughs> oh, give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come up with it before the, the end of the I pod. got the blue and white dashers on, though. So we'll be back good. next week for an update on Petch's goal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the, hey, we'll get the, the library is open tomorrow. I'll run down there. <laughs> yeah, the microfiche, micro right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep trying to find like a statistician, and Brian wants somebody to just hang out of the library Post and do microfiche all the time. Post it up on a payphone. Uh, so we're back uh, with the Steve Petcher, Petch, uh, talking soccer, talking St. Louis, talking uh, Brian's Lawn, a whole bunch of other things, right? Um, tell me the truth. When you hear this song, what's it make you think? A lot of memories. A lot of memories. A lot of memories. 18,000, 19,000 people at the old barn. I mean, can't find a ticket so in they, town. They were out drawing the blues. Oh, big time. Big yeah. Time. yeah. Blues were averaging back then around seven, 8,000. And this is 80? Starting in 80? 79. I mean, I think December 79 was the first game. And so then it started from there. But. Wow. Checkerdome. Yeah, that place was wild. The barn. When were you born? What 78. Ah, look at you. Yeah. You were down there, youngster. I was down there. I, I, was, I went out on the field. You know, I was like when I was a kid, they say, oh, the little. I was I was seven first game. And I was born in 75, so do the math. And I remember being out there and my buddy Ryan Moon, he'd be, I'd say, this was huge. And he'd be like, no, it's the same size as the regular fields we play. <laughs> like, oh, my God, it seems a lot bigger. <laughs> so for uh, all of you soccer heads out there, that was a celebration by Cool and the Gang, which was the anthem for the MISL St. Louis Steamers, um, which was really, I, I, th I consider them the, the, the first real professional soccer team here because we had 
professional team prior, but the love affair wasn't what the steamers had. Uh, Pat, you joined them, what, year one, year two? Oh, one. First year? You bet. So give, give us give us a quick, like, 101 on what was going through your brain, because at that point, how old were you at the time? 20, 23. Okay, so, so ripe old age of 23. Oh, yeah, you betcha. And you had already spent the years uh, in the NASL. You had the uh, Flow Valley National Championship. Um totally shitting the bed on trying to get to Peru, but which turned out to be a really good thing because everybody else was late, right? First guy there. <laughs> First guy there. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, so talk about when the league formed and St. Louis award, awarded the team. I really don't know what the process was, but when you knew St. Louis was going to have a team, uh, talk about that transition going from, you know, full pitch, Pele, Beckenbauer, everything else in those stadiums to this new indoor world. Yeah, so uh, the Steamers were awarded a franchise. They named Pat McBride as the head coach, first head coach. And um, Pat called me um, and several other people, but called me and uh, wanted to see if I could play. And at that time, the MISL was during the wintertime. NASL was in the uh, summer, you know, you know, March, April through what, August, September. So it actually worked out really well for a couple of years where you were able to play indoor, go back, play outdoor, come back, play indoor. And then, you know, some friction happened between the two leagues and who was going to cover the guys on insurance and all that stuff. And then they both went their own way. So you had to make a decision um, at the following year, actually. So, <clears throat> but Pat called, wanted to see if I was interested in it. Heck yeah. Um, if you've ever met Pat McBride, he's a first-class person, players coach, just awesome human being. And uh, if you got a chance to play for him, you would jump all over it. So hey. it, it, you know, and it worked out. Had you ever played indoor before? Me? Yeah. Well, growing up in St. Louis, we, we called it hock sock. Yeah, but it then. wasn't. There were no indoor exactly. like Twelmans just for kicks or whatever. That was the first one. Soccer for fun and Grand yeah, City. and all that stuff started. But no, when <laughs> so we were playing, in, we were playing on a basketball court in you know my grade school, that type of thing. You know, it's, what did you think the first time you went out there and you realized that the, you were basically playing on concrete with a rug on it? Uh, and that's pretty much what we were right. doing. Um, yeah. I didn't even really think about that part of it, to be honest with you. Um, it just, you know, everything just happened. And, you know, the first game, I think, is history that we started about 45 minutes, hour late because the lobby was so crowded. They they sold so many tickets up front. And I think um, my buddy here, Chris Marsh, Anheuser-Busch, had purchased a whole bunch of tickets and gave them out. Um, but they bought them, but then they gave them out to their employees and stuff. So there was a certain amount of people that were coming to the first game. But what they didn't realize was there was another seven or 8,000 that showed up to buy tickets at the door. Right at the door. And the lobby at the arena, if you remember the arena, was <laughs> yeah. pretty small. And, and, and 6,000 of them were from the hill. And very yeah. smoky. It was very, it was very, very smoky. smoky. <laughs> smoky. Um, you know, so the, the game got delayed, and we had, I think, about 17-5 uh, for, the, for the home opener. That's wild. I, I didn't know that, Bill. Did it hold that many? I think the seating capacity was around 18. Oh, it was 18. But we had games that there were 20,000. There's a, there's one picture, if you go online, there's, there's a picture of one of the games where I think we had 20,200 or something like that. I mean, they wild. just crammed them in. I mean, the upper 
seats at the old arena, the yellow ones that you could touch the ceiling, which you probably didn't want to touch the ceiling, but no. if you could, I think went for like a dollar or something like that back then. So um, the, the marketing was really good. The unique thing about the steamers was eight, about 80% of the players were from St. Louis. Yeah. So it was like everybody knew somebody that was in the stands, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your cousins, your aunts, uncles. I mean, it was crazy. Um, it'll never happen again, ever, I don't think. And the national team at the time in 79, you know, the backfield was Greg Mikowski. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what number that would be. What's a left back? Was it three or four? Two or three. Yeah. Okay. And then the right back was Tony Bellinger. Here he goes with the numbering. You know, yeah. he loves Tony Bellinger. And then I guess three and four are the center backs. Yeah. Okay. So four. Ty Keo back then, you kind of played a sweeper too. So Ty Keo and myself. So the whole backfield from St. Louis was on the national team, went onto the steamers. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine crazy. the the backfield of the current national team? Can you imagine Greg Burhalter getting a letter from an indoor league saying we want these guys to play indoor? <laughs> he say you're fucking crazy. He would just tell me that hey, you're just going to play a little. We're not going to use you very much. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. That, yeah, but it was just that was a brilliant idea. Oh boy! Uh, but it was crazy. I mean, as you think about it, it's nuts. So we're all the guys from the NASL taking that go, going and playing oh for sure so everybody was doing it. you know to make a better living for sure yeah so okay so i, I conspiracy theories or rumors or a little bit of research over the years did misl do you think that that was really kind of like uh, uh one of the death blows to nasl because early on you know teams like steamers did well sting did well you know and if nasl had to have obviously American players on there, they could find other players, but there was specifically, there was, there was a love affair for these indoor teams that was different than, you know, uh, the quote love affair for the NASL teams in their own backyards. Um, what, what did that feel like? Was there, was there resentment between the leagues in your opinion? And what did you experience? Well, there was definitely resentment between we didn't feel it probably as players. Well, I guess I, well, let me take that back. I probably did because I was negotiating with Dallas whether I was going to go back down there and just play there and not play for the Steamers after the first season or just so you had, say. You had a chip to play there. Yeah, well, I'm not going to tell. Or yeah. not play for the Dallas team and sign full-time with the Steamers. So there was some friction there. We won't tell the IRS, but give us an idea. Like at the time, NASL versus MISL, if they're fighting for your rights, Okay. What so kind of difference my, are we talking my about? situation is probably a little different because in 76, when I first started with the Dallas team, now we're going back a little bit. So when I got down there, I was a free agent. The coach was an American coach, Al Miller. He called Pete Sorber at Flow, which he would do every year because they were friends, and say, hey, is there anybody leaving Flow that I should be taking a look at? Pete thought about it and said, yeah, you should look at this guy. Because I had quit school. You had straight A's, I think, at the I time. I did. That's why I quit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was boring. Too easy. It was boring. It was just too easy. It was boring. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to go to the classroom to get a A. Hey, Sorbert said, Patch, you got to leave school. <laughs> I, got, I got somewhere for you to go. Actually, my dad owned a pretty good, big, big, a pretty good-sized business here in town at that time. So I went to work for him. And then I got the call from the, um, this. Actually, my mom got a call from the assistant coach in Dallas 
Timo Lukowski, and he uh, spoke with a foreign accent. And it was funny because I came home one day and my mom said, so I couldn't even understand this guy, but he he wants you to come to Dallas. All he something. said was, "We need one American." Exactly. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> uno americano. Uno americano. <laughs> so I went down there as a free agent, as a number four, and perfect. I love it. He's catching on. And there was a, a number four coming over from England at the time, and right before the season started, he declined. Said, "We're just going to stay here. I'm not coming over to the states." So I got thrown into the spot at that point, and again, the rest is history. But um, <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to remember what. The well, I think I think the question to get money. back. We're I, talking about money. Oh, money. He so, wants to, He's just dodging. So my because he doesn't want to say. No, what, you've already paid your fifty bucks. Your penance on this thing. So, so in 1976. Wait, is that your Benz out there in the parking lot? <laughs> <now? laughs> nah, not the Benz. Infinity, not the Benz. Oh, so, <laughs> so nice. But in 1976, my first year. My contract was fifty dollars a week. Oh boy! And I was playing cash. Every... Was it cash? <laughs> I was no, it was taxed. <laughs> I was I was playing every game, every minute, and I was making fifty dollars a week. They did give us an apartment, which five guys lived in. Wow. They gave us one car to use between the five wow. guys. Um, and it was a two seater. Yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a Toyota Toyota Celica. <laughs> oh, I had a Celica. Oh yeah, it was all decked out with the logo on the side and stuff. That's nice. The Dallas. That's really nice. It's really cool. You could almost afford to put. Oh, gas you could in pick it. up some chicks with that. Let me tell you, <laughs> just uh, one at a time. You one at a time, <laughs> and could you stand, <laughs> sit up top? One at a time. <laughs> we got a hatchback in the back. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's where I started. Um, I, I'll be honest with you; I don't even remember what I was making in Dallas. When I went to the steamers, but I will the biggest number that I had with the steamers, I think one year was like seventy eight thousand, which was a lot of money back then. That's but. pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but I think I think <clears throat> go back to what you you said earlier about the difference between the two leagues. I think it's what Petch brought up. One league had to have a requirement of only having one American player, <laughs> and the other league had the entire starting lineup was from the town that the, that was in. That was the brilliance of of what Indoor did. You know that was so, especially so well. St. Louis was yeah. unique with that, yeah. of course. But well, I but, think yeah. it would behoove us to not talk about uh, our beloved An- Anheuser Busch in Gray Eagles uh, <laughs> facility here. Talk about their role in the early days of the Steamers and kind of the vibe and the culture that they helped or or, or didn't create for you guys. Well, you go back to Denny Long, who was the president of AB at the time. Um, which who, and Denny supported soccer like crazy, and he was the first one that Budweiser started sponsoring, you know, the national team and all that type of stuff, and spent a lot of money. Started the Bush Soccer Club, um, built soccer park, built the soccer park. Yeah, he did. Uh, leaned on a few people and got the soccer park built and stuff. And uh, God bless him. And um, so Anheuser Busch had a huge um, influence on the game of soccer overall. And then course they were in town here so like i said that first game they bought a big number of tickets and handed them out to their employees and stuff and but they were a major sponsor of the club i have no idea you know how that happened or how much money was exchanged or anything but but what you know they were all over the place with our with our team a huge supporter so so was there like a because obviously at that time going into the whitey ball days uh with the cardinals was there was there ever any synergy or engagement with the Cardinals at that time? Because I, I remember as a kid, 
I, I was more a Steamers fan than I was a Cardinal fan in in spite of 82 and 84 sure. and 85. Um, was there ever a relationship between the two organizations uh, outside of maybe the players hooking up outside of their own environments? Not like there is today that you see today, but I think social media is able to publicize that. Um, we never really saw – I never really saw a Cardinals player at our games or anything like that. Um, the – the unique part is that uh, Marvin Mann was the first owner, and then after that, there was a local group, Ben Kerner, who owned the St. Louis Hawks back in the day, Stan Musial, Jack Gariani, Jerry Clinton, Gray Eagle. Um, there was a group of them, and they invested in a lot of different things, and they invested into the steamer. So, like, Stan Musial would, <clears throat> if he was at the game, whether we won or lost, he would come into the um, locker room and shake everybody's hands. Oh, wow. I had no That's idea. That's brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I never heard that. Yeah, yeah, and then Jerry Clinton, of course, would get the Gray Eagle bus, and off days we'd be out and about doing crazy stuff. See, it all ties back to Gray Eagle. Gray Eagle, yeah. We got to introduce our, our good friend Chris Marsh. You got to get right up to the microphone. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Just here. The mic's on. What's up, guys? Thank thank you, host. Thank you for the beer. It's cold. You got it. Well, we got a. Unlimited supply. <laughs> beers are we cold. have 200,000 square foot of beer that you guys... I will right. say, we looked back there, and there is a shitload. I don't know what the measurement of that is. Is it by the bathroom? It's you, by the bathroom. Okay. You, might be you, you won't go over there. Like. Yeah. 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 Just a lot back there. A lot back there. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us in. What, yeah. What thank a great you, place. Thank you guys for, uh, for coming. Yes. Yeah, so so, so you've been kind of uh, eavesdropping on us for here for a little bit. Uh, you, a Gray Eagle, uh, your new location. Obviously, Sock Park's your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, you're clearly friends with these guys. Um, just real quick, you know, what do you, wh- how do you, Gray Eagle, you individually, how do you view your relationship with the game here in St. Louis um, with you know, guys like Patch, et cetera, in the clubs and the orgs. And now we have City, you know, SC doing what it's doing. You know, just from a beer standpoint, you know, because AB is, you know, the, the, the ultimate brand in St. Louis sports. You guys are their seller. Talk, talk a little bit about that real quick. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always been a natural affiliation with beer and sports. It goes hand in hand. And I think that, you know, here too in, in St. Louis, we've had unbelievable partnerships. You know, Anheuser-Busch, our, our biggest supplier here, um, has always been, you know, uh, phenomenal to, to work with. And, and it's, 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 an, it's an easy sell, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're here and it goes hand in hand and it's, it's local and, uh, and it's a great opportunity for us to, to, to be involved. And so for us, it's, it's really executing. Executing gets the plan and, and making sure that, uh, that, that people are happy with the product. So. Yeah. Yeah, and Marsh here, Webster Groves guy, also a soccer dad. I'm a Webster Groves guy. You're, well, we're all yeah. well, one of them, one of us had to move. Three of the four, yeah, big time. You mean here. you mean the because fifty dollars paycheck, fifty dollars. You're you're a back in yeah, <laughs> Could, no. you couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Retroactive. So Marsh has got. Got two wonderful daughters. If you want to yeah. say who you have, where yeah. they play. I've got uh, I've got Ava and Lucy. Uh, both uh, Scott Gallagher, so uh, you know, both playing on the ECNL teams and uh, what age group and loving. So, we got a U15 and a, a U16. Oh, okay, yeah, so go ahead. You want to you talk about Ava a little bit here? Yeah, Ava, you Ava, just, yes. I, I will brag, proud, proud dad moment. But uh, Ava was uh, was part of the selection game this past uh, this past weekend with the ECNL team 
great turnout. It was awesome uh, out of the Scott Gallagher facilities and Creve Corps. And, uh, and, you know, huge, huge turnout and uh, a lot of fun. So she enjoyed it. Well, and, I, and now she's going to listen to this because she's getting a shot. So, Ava, I want you to know that me and your dad and Petch were frozen while we were watching you play. <laughs> and honestly, I thought she looked frozen at the beginning. And, and we were looking. Shirt, Ava? We, we were. We were looking for flying knee balls. We did get a face ball, nose ball, I yeah, think. Nose yeah, ball. yeah we got good. a nose ball. It was a good nose ball. But, but she yeah, connected yeah. every pass. Remember, she was 100%. We were, 100% I told her that the yeah. other day. Yeah. And then I go, by the way. Who was that girl you were playing next to? Because she plays a four. Ava plays a four. So, what's a four patch? Uh, I think it's a center back. Yeah, there we go. Working on. But that. you should have seen. <laughs> you should have seen the size of this kid that she was playing. Could, next man, could she play? I, she got, could play I got some too. intel after the game. Oh, really? she, uh, Casey, athletics player. Wow, yeah. she was speed, uh, 05, size, speed, size, athletic, yeah. good. And yep. she, could, she she ran the whole field yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, Ava, as the producer of the show, uh, please share this with all of your friends. We need this. <laughs> we need it. Yeah, we need this. She certainly we will. need it. So well, um, last thing on the Marsh sisters, if you don't mind me, Jay. Yeah, no, no. So they're going to be teaming up this year at Webster Groves High School. Hopefully, they're both on the same team. They're going to be playing side by side. Oh, How yeah. fun is that going to be for yeah. the Marshes? They huh? will. It's they good. got they got it's a tough act easy. to follow. It's going to be easy though. Yeah. Well, go, to, I mean, go to one game. They made it to the quarterfinals. They had a losing record and got to the quarterfinals of uh, of state. That's why here. you play so the this games. This is this is there's opportunity. What what which division? Was that? There's only one division. <laughs> in their division. There's only one division in their but division. But think about it. You're gonna, yeah. only going to have to go to yeah. one game. No, you're right. You know, It's going to be very easy. Seamless. Now, we're assuming both of them are going to make varsity, which I would assume they will. They better. They yeah. better. Come or, on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a talk. We'll have a talk. Exactly. Let's <laughs> have another podcast. <laughs> well, just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Gray Eagle could sponsor something at Webster Goes High School and fix that problem. <laughs> but it is a good field. Uh, Time to build a new field. Holy shit, we have lights for the men's field now. <laughs> but it is funny from? that you were talking about the affiliation with uh, beer and soccer, really, in St. Louis. And at the soccer park, people come there from out of town and when they come for the first time and they go up to the grill and they're like, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. You guys got like every Anheuser-Busch product and that they make here, and we can drink this here? Yeah. Oh, I, so I... Because out of town, you can't do that. Right. I have a great story. Oh, I was just in, I was in Pittsburgh with the uh, with my Maxi, the, the 2010 Academy Group, and they were boat racing the guy that the team. I had to pay $100 to. Yeah, we're going to get into that story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're boat racing some team out of Pittsburgh, and and the uh, guys, you know, on the, on the sidelines, they started complaining that the parents because we were drinking beer and we're not loud at all we're just drinking beer there's nothing to cheer about it was a game was a joke and one of our dads turns and says well wait wait till you come to st louis we got a whole bar yeah. <laughs> you can drink whatever you want i mean it, it is really funny i mean because all of us has traveled all all over the country with our clubs with our kids etc and <clears throat> we are spoiled here we don't realize it until you really hit the road um you know some of the quote top-notch academies that you go around and stay at i mean uh columbus right you have yeah. the columbus crew facility and you are privileged enough to park in a municipal uh courthouse <laughs> parking lot and then they walk you through some public park and you stand behind a fence to watch your kids on a singular field there's no concession there there's not even a johnny no, they got nothing. Yeah, they're 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 catching up. We were ahead of and our time. And this is here. Denny Long. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but this yeah. is one of the original <laughs> MLS clubs. You know, we're talking twenty five years plus. Yeah, that World Cup '94 money dried up pretty quick. I think. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. But I mean, you know, the facility there is it's top notch. Uh, let's 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 lean a little bit more into Gallagher with you, Patch, in, in particular. 
Um, give, give us a, a, a quick history. When did you when did you get into the club? And let's move up to uh, where you're at now and what you're doing. Yeah, and I think before you answer that, I, I think it's important. I, I actually grew up, played for Scott Gallagher, but I think a lot of people that play in the club now, and we talked about this before, they don't really understand that it wasn't always like what it is now. Um, so when, when we were all younger here, guys in our 40s, uh, it was a totally different world. So, yeah, if you can kind of lead us through how it became what, what everyone sees it is, you know, as it is today. What it is today. So... Let's see. So I took over in 2000 with the Bush Soccer Club. Based out of Soccer Park. Based out of the Soccer Park. Anheuser-Busch still owned the park. Um, we just They were a sponsor of the club, but we just kind of um, exchanged some things, and we were able to have a office there and, and practice fields and stuff back in the day when – you know, field one was grass, field, field one, five, field was, five grass, was grass, and two and three were ice skating rinks oh my uh, with that old turf. But <laughs> so, and then Kevin Kalish took over Scott Gallagher, um, uh, I think later on. I don't think he was there at that time. But anyway. And he played for Scott Gallagher. He played for Scott Gallagher. Um, and I did not play for the Bush Soccer Club at the time. I grew up with the Florissant Cougars. But um Played against Dalton, had to throw that out. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, Kevin and I kind of became friends, even though we were rivals. <clears throat> and we both were talking one day, and we were like, "You know what? This is this is stupid because you know we've got we've got these teams, especially well, Gallagher didn't have girls, so it was mostly on the boys' side that." We'd always play each other in the state cup championship game, and it was yep. it was probably the best game that you would have, even if you went to regionals and went on to nationals. And somebody always lost and had to stay home. And, and it's not like today where everybody gets to go to regionals and nationals and all that stuff. So kind of like back to high school, but um. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention you would go say you go play a tournament in Memphis. You, they would they would set up Gallagher on one side and Bush on yeah, the other side. And then you'd play each other in Memphis in the final. But anyway, right. so Kevin and I were like, this is this doesn't make any sense. Why why aren't the best players overall playing on the same team? Um, and I I get the competitive competitiveness of that the way it was, but we just kind of felt like like we do today, where we think you know, likability players should be playing together. So, um, so it started in my kitchen. Um, we had a flip chart there and we would meet once or twice a week and just start writing, brainstorming and writing stuff down. Um, and then kind of went from there to, and because I guess maybe no social media or anything, there was, it was kept quiet. You know, it was just Kevin and I really the only two that knew we were meeting. <laughs> Eventually we brought Don Popovich into, into the meeting. Actually we had to go to his house, but I met with pops and, you know, we felt like Lou Fuse was a good partner as well, that we could get them involved. And at the end of the day, it just didn't work out for a couple of reasons. One of them being that, you know, they wanted their name on all the jerseys and it, that wasn't going to be possible. And, you know, the name alone, you know, we got to get it out there and all that stuff. Anyway, so there were some complications there. So we kind of pulled away from there. And then what sped it up was Jeff Cooper back in the day. Oh, who, Illinois. Granite Illinois. City kid. Is he Granite City or Collinsville? Lawyer. Granite City. Lawyer guy. from Granite City. He had the money. 
That's for sure. Yes, and he was trying to get an MLS team, That's and right. then and then he brought, and then Dale Schilly from Metro United got involved because the city guy now. Yeah, and he, Dale. My, my Dale was Hurter County, so he he uh, knew Jeff and stuff, so. The group of us got together, and that's how it actually kind of came together. Maybe a little quicker than what Kevin and I thought it was going to happen, uh, because Jeff was going to get an MLS franchise and build us a training facility and a stadium and all that stuff. And that, of course, didn't happen, but the merger did happen at that point. And now we're at a point where we're over 4,000 kids. It's, this season is the biggest number we've had. It just continues to grow. So let's let's jump more towards the finish line, or at least the current line is what mm-hmm. I would call it. Um, your role today at the club. Um, uh, talk 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 about your role. Talk about the teams you're working with. You know, let, let's go there, and then we can kind of poke and prod a little bit. Yeah. So when the merger happened, um, Kevin was in charge of the boys. I was in charge of the girls. It was a simple thing to do, and then. Brad Davis is now here, and he's the president of the club, so now I'm the vice president of, of the club. Um, I don't oversee – I don't run the girls' program. Scott McDaniel does that, but I work hand-in-hand with Scotty every day, and he bounces a lot of stuff off of me and stuff. And then coaching-wise, I'm involved in the ECNL Regional League. Um, you have the full ECNL, and then they started a, another division called the Regional League. So I coached the U13s and 14s on that on the girls' side, and then I actually picked up a U9 2014 team. You got a U9 team. I got a U9 team this year. What do they do? They call you Patch? He goes, Oh, yeah, they call me Patch. Oh, they call me Patch. Everybody, I mean, everybody does, but (laughs) they are loaded, by the way. How tall are these U9s? Are they tiny? My knee, maybe. I don't know. But they can play. (laughs) This group can play, man. Um, Anyway, so they're a lot of fun, but those are the three teams that I coach. But I'm also, you know, with the East and Regional League. The way it's set up in the ECNL is the same way. Is all the, There's six age groups that all travel together. or they're, When they're in town, they all play, you know, on the same day and stuff, which is nice. So I also, you know, Maggie Richard runs the ECNL Regional League program. and But so she and I can bounce off each other as far as coaching other teams. So what I, w- what I want to touch on real quick is kind of optics. Um, and, and I would like you to talk about the reality of the success of – these girls and um you know from the club and really from the region in general because we, we, we're all fully aware that the boys programs nationally at all levels tend to take the headlines uh, uh you know it, it, it's just more prevalent with mls with mls academies etc but on the women's side uh clearly at the national team level our women's team is 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 dominating to a degree continues to grow there's more and more uh women's professional teams that are that are coming uh uh to light uh talk about the 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 girl pipeline here in St. Louis and from the club in particular because I saw a recent post with the national team camp 5 Five girls from the club, yeah, went to camp. Mm-hmm. Speak to that. You, for for those that aren't aware, but give a quick one on one on how powerful kind of the girls' programs are in our region and what and what they're accomplishing. Well, as far as St. Louis Scott Gallagher is concerned, in my opinion, we have the best girls players. You know, we don't have them all, but we have the majority of them. And in the ECNL, we just won the 2006 national championship. Um, last July, there's two players in particular, or three, I guess, Grace Restovic, Caroline Burkle, and Alex Pfeiffer. 
um, who all play on their age group national teams. And when they were there recently, Grace was the captain of the of the team. So <clears throat> the talent level is tremendous in the club, and it just continues to grow. Like I said, that 2014 team is dynamite. I mean, they're just so good. Um, but there's there's a lot of depth. Um, the East, you know, Regional League has helped, and <clears throat> but I think overall, I mean, we were ranked number in the ECNL, which is the top league in the country for girls. We were ranked number seven in the country uh, after last season. In, in that league, and JB, I know only having a boy, right? Uh, Three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't have a lot of experience with it, but it is. Um, I do I, have. Well, go ahead. With the ECNL league and on the girls' side, it is an incredibly well-run, organized, top-flight league. I mean, like the MLS next. It's it's the, the ECNL <laughs> league is a very well-run. I see. What you're, you're not going to go there, are you? League. He's going to talk saying. right over the yeah. top of that yeah. right now. But it is when you go to those uh, when you go to the showcases, the tournaments. They do an incredible job. They they really do. That's it's. Um, the competition is is really well matched. I think they do a really good job of that. Uh, they also have a lot of other activities going on around the field, a lot of engagement that they get from the players outside of the game. It's pretty impressive. I've really been impressed with it. So, the last so they years. have organized professionals that organize <laughs> and run versus the other. I, I, there's no verse. It's just a <laughs> statement. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I know. Can't, saying. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about the other leagues that are out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was Palm Springs. Beautiful. You know, good golf, golf courses. Golf, yeah, good golf, golf was, uh <laughs> Max and I played uh, two, two played around at PJ West and played another round at the Desert Princess. I don't talk about Max. Oh, can I tell? Max is stuck. Can ahead. I tell a quick story here about uh, yeah. golf with Petch? Who, no. by the way, I hate God. I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it. I hate to put any air in your tires, but Petch can move the club. He can. He can. His swing speeds. You're saying at my age. Is that what you're trying to say? He's an old guy. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't reading it that way. But now that you're, you you keep adding. <laughs> we don't know where it's going to go all the time. But uh, so we had a match with me and it was me and Max, my youngest son, who's 12, against Petch and Jack, who's my older son, who is what's he 14, almost almost 15. And we had staggered tees right? at Forest Park. Forest Park, which so I got you. Free rounds. He did get a free round. He knew, he knew the guy at Forest Park, so we mm -hmm. got to play for free. Yeah, thank you. So I think we're on number. Let's and see. then I had to buy the beer. We're playing. Too. We're playing. We're playing nine holes, and I think we're on number four or five. And so we're staggered tee boxes. I'm all the way back. Petch is one up for me. Jack's one up, and then Max plays all the way up. Par four. Huge advantage for Max. He's standing on the tee box. What does he say? How far was it? Oh, it's probably about two ten. Yeah. So I walk up, and I go. Max, $100, you can't make the green. He goes, I'll take that. Walks off the tee to shake your hand on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he wanted to make sure it was a good bet, oh, yeah. right? I could see that. And he now, I guess he's got $100 to back it up. Did he spit in I don't his know. hand first? No, JB walked right down. It was only cash, hand. though. It was a shire, so it was only cash. <laughs> oh, no yeah. credit cards. Well, so, he probably had it in his bag. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he stands there, hits a beautiful tight high draw. It lands right in the middle yeah. of the green. Petch is going, well, that's not on the green. That's not on the green. What yeah, was it? Right in the middle. He turns around and goes, Oh, that's the fourth time in a row I've hit this green. <laughs> I go, you son. hundred bucks, hundred dollars. Oh wait, and what happened when he got on the green patch? Four putt. Nope. No. Five putt. Five putt. Oh, he right. five putts it from twenty-five feet. But what did he say? Feet. What did he say when well, I gave him a little no, bit of trouble? He gave a little. A couple holes later, Petch is giving him the needle, and he he says, uh, "Oh yeah, well I've never seen a guy five putt before without missing a beat." Max comes back with. 
Well, I've never seen a guy down two to a guy who just five putted. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a guy, and I, I bet Jack was behind everybody saying, "Come on, boys! Yeah, let's Come go, on, boys. let's go! Come on, guys! Come on, Patch! Let's get yeah. back in this thing." Four times in a row, I made the green. I'm like, yeah, "Are you kidding me?" Bucks. And, and and to your word, I you took it. him to the to took the, him to the uh, fan shop. Took him to the fan shop. Comes home, Julie, my wife, goes, uh, "Max, what did you buy? These pants are three sizes too small." He's like, "Well." Did Petch even look at him? He goes, I think Petch was on the phone. <laughs> oh, uh, so, so I've had, uh, we've had a couple episodes with other uh, Gallagher members and I've talked to some other people around soccer. And there's a topic that I like to bring up and I think you'd be a, a great addition to this ongoing debate or insight. And that is, it started with Godat, had it with uh, Kip last night um, talked to Ed Gettemeyer a little bit about it when we when we spoke. Um, you've been around the game your whole life. Uh, more importantly, you've been around kids uh, 20, 25 years plus right now at the club level or how how long? Um, 32. 32, even better. <laughs> so here's my question wow. because obviously being at the club that you're at, you, you've seen it all. Um, the it factor. You know, when you're out there and at these U, U10, U9, U8, U7, etc. U9 for Petch. It's U9. Um, when you see these young, the youngins uh, mm -hmm. on either side, boys, girls, etc. How do you know and how, what do you define as seeing someone that has it and what is it? Well, and I... I think Kenny talked about this a little bit when he was on with you guys. Um, I think the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it being aggressive, like the kid that you know is gonna go get the ball all the time when they're playing little seven v seven games or whatever. Um, you know <clears throat> that part of it you can't teach, but if they have it, you can teach. As Kenny said, you can teach the other stuff, right? All the technical stuff and everything. But if you've got somebody that yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go chase that ball. I'm not going to go mark somebody. You know, I'm not going to go try and take the ball away from somebody. They're going to have a tough time, even if they get really skilled. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> are, are are you seeing more and more of kids that have more of that it uh, as the game grows in popularity? As more kids, more athletes from other potential sports gravitate towards soccer, are you seeing? Uh, kind of a general elevation in the overall talent at the lowest levels up to the top level? Or are you seeing kind of like the the same funnel of talent to where you'll have at each age group three or four that clearly stand out and then there's everybody else? Well, I think that's probably for us it's based on numbers, right? I mean, we have over 4,000 kids in the club. Sure. Every year it continues to grow. So you're going to see more kids that are that have that it thing that you're talking about um but we are deeper now and i would say this on the boy side too until city takes everybody um <laughs> that was only a was i supposed time. to was i supposed Zing! to say that just keep going um but we are i'll talk about the girl side we are deeper now with talent than we've ever been so i would say yes there are more kids with that so it, it right now or no, look, that would be unfair for those that are playing now. Uh, over the 30 years, who are the ones that just stand out in your head that, like, you knew it when, when they stepped on the field as a child and they continued and then they landed on the biggest stages or, or didn't? 
Who, who, who are some of the names that just blew you away? Well, not necessarily when I was coaching the Bush Soccer Club, not necessarily kids that were in our club either. So right. <clears throat> I mean, I, my first team was my daughter's team, and they were they were really good. Um, went to nationals, all that stuff. But you know, but they played against Lori Kolepny, Becky Sauer Brown. You know, so you would see those kids on the other clubs as well. Um, of course, we always tried to get them to come over, but they wouldn't. But they were playing for JB Marine at the time. Um, but, I always forget about JB Marine. Yeah, back yeah. in the day. No, they're still around. Yeah. They have a boys program now yeah. too. But um, you know, Alyssa Motts that played played for me and played grew up in the club um my niece katie joe spizak was an unbelievable goalkeeper and i mean i you could just keep going on and on but um but i, I just think there's more today there's more kids that have have talent than we had before but again our numbers are are more so, so i mean i when back kevin kalish would always tell me that <clears throat> he felt like his best academy teams were the age groups that he had when they were younger, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, where we had bigger numbers because then there were more players to choose from, right? Sure. So, yeah, and that, more that, comp- that more competition true. and yeah. everything else. It definitely holds true. And that's and honestly, if you look at Scott Gallagher, Boys Side Academies, they dominated at U twelve, U thirteen, you know, rolling up through those ages. Um, Until and, well, until no. they get older, I guess, Fetch. I don't know. <laughs> Puberty. <Yeah. laughs> or go. something else let's happens. Call that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, look, cat's out of the bag. Let's talk about it a little bit. Um, STL City, you know, this, it was, it, which is really kind of the culmination in a generations and generations of uh, soccer interests, soccer mechanics and organizations in our town. Uh, here we are looking at March as the kickoff for the first season for, you know, St. Louis in the MLS. How does that make you feel? Like, what do you think? You know, forget about the academies for a second. We'll talk about that. But, you know, seeing St. Louis now with a team in the MLS with kind of the, 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 the trajectory of the league and the popularity of the game in general, you know, being one of the originals, you know, uh, what what does what does City SC mean to you personally? Oh, I mean, as far as the franchise is concerned, it's awesome. Um, you know, it's something we've been trying to get for years and years, and we needed it here in St. Louis. And I'm glad they built the, the stadium downtown. And if anybody that's listening to this went to the game, well, there's only two people. Well, we're all sitting. Ava here. and <laughs> oh, Ava and her friends. Ava's friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. Lucy's friends. <laughs> um, get them in. But anybody, actually, Brian and I went down together. How great! How um, great was this? Is the stadium? But the stadium's unbelievable. Did you go down there that night, Chris? Did you have you been? Down I did. He yeah. was sitting in was the impressive. suite where it was 80 degrees. Yeah, the, yeah. the ultra lounge. <laughs> Were you indoors? Were you? Really? I was indoors. <laughs> uh, hey, I was indoors, but I was sitting. I was sitting and watching outdoors. Were, but, were you at the end of the stadium where all the yeah. the, the ultra yeah. club? Yeah, near uh, the ultra, ultra. We weren't far yeah. from there. Right? No, we didn't get the, did, didn't get the no, invite. I yeah, I mean, us, my phone didn't work. No, us, next us, time, next no, time. Us yeah. peasants were down yeah. there. Hey, Brian, you know. So, so I'm going to ask all all you guys this around the table. I know we've all talked about it, but I don't know if I've asked you, Chris, or I know Petch's experience. But when you got there early and you made the lap, how many people did you know? Oh my God! I mean, how it took uh, me and Max fine. an hour. To get around the thing, you know? Yeah, yeah because everybody likes Max. They don't I like know, you. Exactly, yeah. That's because you want to keep stopping to get popcorn. <laughs> well, you couldn't get it. Couldn't get but, it. Yeah. yeah, they were out of every food well, item. But Amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was crazy. Everywhere you went, you saw somebody you knew, which was awesome. I mean, that's kind of 
to Petra's point about the steamers earlier, you're going to see people you know, and it's it's uh, it's it was a great environment, and it's going to continue. Yeah, know? I can't imagine what that's going to be like when it's warm, or when, wait, or when Messi's playing. Well, Messi's playing for us. He's going to be playing. Oh, he is. Oh, so you're breaking this right now? Uh, you're well, breaking it? No, I'm not breaking it. It's just going to happen. I'm telling <laughs> it, you. It was an all-cash deal. It's all-cash. <laughs> I think he's going to get 50 bucks a game, you know? Like, well, he could feed, feed Claus the ball. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Claus is the, 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 the nine, right? I guess Messi will play the 10. So, so anyway, back to your question. Yeah, yeah. Inside joke. Just yeah, keep, keep it going. I, I think it's. I mean, soccer is big in St. Louis anyway. But so, but it'll be it'll be huge for the for the city itself, I think, and for the area. Um, it, and as Brian and I, when we parked, because <clears throat> he's so cheap, we parked like ten blocks away. But um, <laughs> not yeah. surprised. You know, walking True. around the outside of the stadium, there's still a lot of stuff that has to be done and everything. But once all that's done, it's going to be really, really cool. Yeah, and like- and having the training facility, I think they're the only MLS franchise that has the training facility and the stadium all in the yeah. downtown area. Yeah, because I mean, in our brief travels here uh, in the fall, having conversations with some of the other you know families at these other, I mean, they're really kind of amazed by that. Because for two reasons. Number one, it is downtown. Number two, they're like, isn't St. Louis dangerous? You know, yeah, so they're like, like they think where every, are you? To- that's like <laughs> when we have floods, everybody thinks the whole place is flooded. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, well, I, I think it's going to be awesome. Well, let, let, let me go Let me go ahead and broach the subject then, uh, you know, because people that listen to the show know uh, our, our two kids do play for the academy. They came from Gallagher. Uh, I'm a homer. My, my youngest is still there. I love the club, everything. Uh, I think that I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are as far as um, because, well, let me back up a little bit. Scott Gallagher, Bush in particular, Lou Fuse, uh, some of these other clubs, king of the pile f- forever. And now we have an MLS team. We have these academies. They got to get the players from somewhere, you know, and clearly they're they're going to go to the top. How does how do you think that's going to change the the the, the landscape moving forward? Uh, because it's going to increase the number of kids that want to play soccer. Now we have a, a professional team that they can that they can support. Where 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 do you see that going? Uh, just from a club standpoint, you know. And you you know, I'm open to all any and all answers. And if you want me to play celebration, I'll start playing celebration. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that game against L.A. Lasers, or yeah. whoever they were. <laughs> well, let Jerry me. I you up. Yeah. Oh, you want me to tell well, that? He's story? about to. Well, let me you tell you about this story? time in Peru. Bailing you out now, Patch. <laughs> That's another. No, this story. Jerry Bust. Yeah, Jerry Bust story. Um, no, I mean, you you guys know that the the first year that they started their academy program, I think we lost 35 kids um, out of the club. And yeah. that's a huge number for us um, from the boys' side, right? <clears throat> but we look at it now that that's a great opportunity for those kids. Some of them have come back because it just didn't work out for wh- whatever reason. But, you know, we, we do whatever we can to – develop the kids and make them the best they can and that at a certain age you 14 or 15 you, you 15 15 city might come in and, and take them i i think that so the number isn't as big it was the first year was a huge hit for us right um, i think they took 50 kids and 35 of them were from our club um, which is a compliment to us first of all but but it's a huge hit for us so the guys have done a great job in moving kids up giving them another opportunity that might not have had that opportunity if all those kids were still here. Um, but every year it's, it, 
well, not every. I think every year it's going to get less because there's only right. there's really only one age group now that they're going to be choosing from, yeah. and we know that, and we know that going into what's going on. And but I also think, like every other MLS academy that I have heard from or heard about, is that they're going to start bringing kids in from overseas. They're going to be bringing kids in from California, New York, and all that stuff. So I think the number will continue to reduce a little bit. Um, they won't take as many players from us. So, Do you believe it's a net positive for the youth program in our area? Well, I think it is because competitively it's it's good for everybody. Keeps out, keeps us on our toes, right? Because our academy teams still have to compete against the city, right? right. Against the city kids um, at the at the high school, basically the high school age group. So, um, you know, we just have to continue to do a good job in developing a lot of players um, and focusing on. You know, our, our teams now are academy and then the next group's in the ECNL now. You know, they have a boys program now and that will continue to grow. And then the ECNL Regional League is now on the boys side. And, you know, so it's, the numbers are available. We, well, there's a lot of platforms that are available to our players now that are just going to make them better. And that, not to me, that is, you know, quintessential Scott Gallagher. The best thing about Scott Gallagher is the platforms that are out there, mm -hmm. right? So instead of just having – Hey, here's our top team, and then everyone else falls into you know League X. Is mm -hmm. that you know there is an opportunity for for players of different levels to compete at the highest level that they are at, right? Right. So that's sure. a that's a hallmark of the club that um, you guys have done a great job with. Yeah, when we were talking earlier, <clears throat> I think there should be a, a significant lobbying, politicking effort. I think all these uh, derby matches they should be at Sock Park. Yeah, we agree on that. The, yeah. the, the city uh, Gallagher. Academy matches should be played at all of at soccer park. Yeah, any city home game against Gallagher should be at soccer park. I mean, this is it's it's recorded now. It's in you public don't sphere. Go look, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to have the twelves or thirteens and fourteens play at um, City Park. Well, right now, no, there's on the no, training field. Yeah, there's no there's the no training field is there. not the no same. no at the at the big stadium. Well, now that's a different. That's oh a well, yeah. I, I now we're talking. We sit in the Ultra Club. Can you get yeah. us in there, Mark? Do we know anybody? Uh, I might know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we'll help you out there. Well, see, that's recorded too, so that's on the record. That's on the record. <laughs> good. We're good. Well, um, Patch, thank you. Uh, appreciate your time, man. This is. Uh, you, this. Oh yeah, he, hold on. He can't go yet. He got to tell the Jerry Bus story. Can he tell the Jerry Bus story? You can tell we whatever story he wants. We yeah. got time because so, he could edit this out. If what, he what what year is this? Oh yeah, no. If it's not good, this I'll would just, have been nineteen eighty. Let's see, 86. So this is at the end of your career. Towards my end. I retired in 88. 88. So it's you and what, Ebert? Ebert, Don Ebert, and I get traded out to Los Angeles. Tony Glavin took over as And the you coach. got traded, was it for basketballs? A bag of basketballs? <laughs> what was it? I don't remember. Actually, ironically, it was, bag for, of in and it outs. was for Jim Cavanaugh, who's the president of oh, Worldwide Technology. Well, that worked out pretty good he for everybody. I, well, for him, for sure. Yeah. Uh, he and I got <laughs> traded for each other, and then Paulie, Paulie Garcia was playing out in LA with the lasers and so Ebert got traded for him and two of us we walked into the office Tony said I traded you thank you very much um so and let's set the stage there's some important facts here number one the the lasers yeah. played where at the forum at the forum where the, what Lakers, year again? Where the Lakers and the what Kings? year again 1986 well, there's not much going on there at the forum in 86 was there kind of a dead era well I'm joking Petch I was gonna say the Lakers yeah, were exactly. there the, the Kings were there and here comes Petch 
Yeah. So anyway, so Eves and I. <laughs> the magic from St. Louis. That's it. This is the story I told Brian. So <laughs> Eves and I get traded out there. We're staying at a hotel right across the street from the Forum in Inglewood. And <clears throat> the next night we're playing for the Lasers. Keith Tozer, uh, who now is, does a lot of the futsal stuff on a national level, uh, was the coach. Anyway, so we go, we play the game. I have no idea who we were playing. Um, but I think I got four assists and maybe a goal. And they, they Ebert died. scored like five goals that night. And, and they were struggling. And then we end up winning. Well, the the guy that was running the uh, the team was Jim Buss. Um, who's now involved with the Lakers part, but Jerry Buss, who was the owner of the Lakers and the Forum and everything else, had given the team to Jim for him to oversee. Well, Jim at the time was young. Uh, God, he probably was maybe in his late 20s, 30s or something, had long blonde hair down his back. Um, and that was his deal. He, he, that was his team to run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah just a crazy guy. Like the like the party a little bit, and um, so we we win the game, and Jim Bus thinks Eves and I are like, you know, like Pele and Messi just walked in the door, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, he so knows he made a great trade. <laughs> so we go to the Forum Club afterwards, and it's open bar, and Jim's buying drinks for everybody and stuff, and <clears throat> so now it's about midnight, something like that, and he goes, "Hey guys, let's go. Uh, we go where are we going?" He goes, oh, you're going with me. So we're like, okay. So we walk outside, and he, Jim always had an entourage with him. Right. So we walk outside, and there's a couple of limos out there. Um, so we get in the limos. We drive down. Forum was out in Inglewood, so we drive downtown to a nightclub. And we get there at 1245, you know, it's close to 1 o'clock, and we walk in the door. And, of course, Jim walks in the door, and everybody knows him and stuff. And we've got a private VIP area. And one o'clock in the morning, there's us, the group that we were with, and I don't know, maybe twenty other people in the nightclub. By two o'clock, it was shoulder to shoulder. That's incredible. It was nuts. <laughs> That's inc- and they were all there to see Ebes, right? Oh yeah, because he scored all the goals. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we're so we're in this in this VIP area and all this stuff. Now it's four o'clock in the morning, and Jim goes, "Okay, let's go. We're going to my house." Okay, and. Um, the bus family had bought the the Pickford uh, mansion, which overlooks uh, Hollywood and all this stuff, and it just goes on and on and on. It's it's it's. I, I remember it being a ranch, I think, but I mean, there was a huge kind of like this room we're in right now. Um, great, great it was, eagle. Was it was a game room? I mean, it had every pinball. <laughs> the, the eagle's nest. Yeah, we're in the eagle's nest. <laughs> had every so pinball reset. machine you could find and all this stuff. And there's another room that. Was, and there you are playing pinball. No, no, no. Wasn't playing pinball. So anyway, so you know, it, the time just keeps going by. Cool. And so I start to talk to Jerry Buss a little bit. He was there. Of course, he was partying too. And um, he goes, hey, you want to play some pool? I said, sure, let's play some pool. And he goes, okay, here's the deal. Here's the bet. I'm getting, <laughs> I didn't lose this one. Um, he goes, if you beat me in pool, you can critique the NBA and let me know what I should be doing with the Lakers. And if I beat you, then I get to critique soccer in this Which country. he has no idea about uh, soccer no, at all. No, yeah, right. no, no. Barely basketball. Well, I ended up I ended up winning the pool match. Um, never got around to telling Jerry what he's doing wrong. Um, <laughs> Guard bird. 
Well, he was doing a lot of things right at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we got home at like nine in the morning or something like that. And that was the first night we were, probably the second night we were there because we got in late night the first night. But I was like, Do, are, are we doing this after every game or what's going <laughs> and, on here? And you came <laughs> back to St. Louis, why? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually it worked out because the steamers uh, were, were a year later were folding and um, and we had Jerry Buss as an owner. So it worked out pretty well for uh, for Don and I, but. That's awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a show. You know, oh, you're you're next right after showtime. It's gonna be yeah. You're, it's gonna yeah, be all about pets. That's and, it. And t- they're yep. gonna be in the new Hulu special. <laughs> hey, you know, it's gonna be called Laser Tag. <laughs> <laughs> no, but go, I mean, if you want to do a show, the Steamers group that we had, the players, that would I would love to. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. <clears throat> it would be interesting to do a documentary Fine. on on that team with all the players if we could tell the true stories well i have an idea oh, we could we could beta it on the soccer dad pod we need to you know, do that we need to do yeah. some re- let's start doing some research I, I bet we know somebody that would host too oh my probably God. provide a little bit of beer happy to do it see oh, there we go we got a venue we just need to get I'd love that, to see that story come no, to kid, life. no kids allowed you know? wow wow yeah. well That's i mean these are all explicit anyway so it's it's all good man. yeah you can curse i learned that on the first one <laughs> i i it was literally. I heard it. Yeah. I heard it was literally his first question. Can I curse on this thing? <laughs> then I forgot. Fuck that I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was it was a good time. <laughs> so steamer, steamers went from seventy nine to eighty first first iteration 88? 80, 88, 88, yeah. yeah. Somewhere around it. it eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah. yeah. And do you see, still see those guys at all? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. God, that was a magical era, wasn't it? It's just, well, well. Let's save that. We should bring them on. Let's yeah. do a show. I think it'd be fun as hell. You know how many people love to hear those guys talk? Whoever you want. Oh, like bring some of the old steamer guys on? Oh, my God. You wouldn't have enough time. If we came in here, Marsh, I don't know if you got enough beer. We need a few more microphones, a few more beers. I think we can solve those problems. 210,000 square feet is needed, not the 200. I think we have plenty. You two guys would never have to say anything. We could just talk. That's fine. I'll just keep the beers going. Hey, look, my job is to record it and edit it, so it's all good. No worries. All right. That would be nuts. Well, it's time, guys. Um, they're about to turn the lights on us, out on us here, right? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, I think actually Marsh uh, controls the lights here. I think. Yeah, uh, he's got the last man Patch, Patch, thanks again, man. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, tremendous insight. Um, you know, look forward to seeing you around the park. Obviously, I'm sure we'll be seeing you around the park for a you while, bet. right? You bet. Uh, I can't wait to go to those U nine games. <laughs> You need to come watch them. I'm going to come watch them. You need to come watch them. I'm going to come watch them. Brian, thanks again. Thank you, JB. Yep, thank you as well for hosting. I really appreciate it. Um, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this thing. Um, This seems apropos. Let me see here. Can you guys guess it? I have no idea. Oh, here we go. You know what it is? Yeah, I do. You like that? Little Ernie Hayes. Um, Thank you, everybody. You know where to find us. Spotify, Apple, all those usual suspects. Uh, Email us at uh, soccerdadpod at gmail.com with any complaints or requests for Brian's party room over here. Uh, They'll hook you up. Uh, Guys, thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you. Cheers.